Welcome to the Moments of Joy podcast. We are up to episode 32 today, and I'm very, very excited about our special guest. Her name is Bobby Brown, not to be confused with the other Bobby Brown. <laughs> this one is a powerhouse, and I'm so excited to have her on the show today. Let's backtrack. If this is your first time on the show, welcome. Welcome, welcome. I encourage you to just go ahead and go back into our archives to see what we are all about here. We are about encouraging, motivating, and uplifting you through the words of testimonies and through my very own story. I sit and I, you know, I pray about what I would have, God would have for me to share, who he would have for me to interview, and what parts of my life he would have for me to share in order to uplift and encourage you. So I'm pretty much transparent about a lot of things that I have gone through and a lot of things that I've overcome. I was a young mom. I had four children by the age of 21. I was in an abusive relationship. I've lived in the projects. I've I've had no job. I've, you know, had to deal with having a a sick child and him having open heart surgery, two surgeries by the time he's one years old. And today I share all aspects of my life. I am an executive chef. Today, the first woman to ever hold that position where I am. I am a wonderful wife. My children are doing well. I am a mom of five beautiful boys. I am an intercessor who prays and loves the Lord. And I dedicated my life to encouraging And so here I am today to encourage you. (laughs) So welcome to the Moments of Joy podcast. And if you are back, again, welcome back MVPs. I call my listeners who come back every week MVPs because you guys are the most valuable players (laughs) in this podcast world. So today I hope that you enjoy the show. Before we get into the episode, if you are listening on an Apple device, I need you to leave us a review for our show. If you love the Moments of Joy podcast, and there are hundreds of you that listen every single week, I need you to write us a review so that other people around the world can find us. You guys may know us from social media, but some people, they just stumbled upon us and they don't you know, really know us, but they will look at the reviews before they listen to the show. So whatever has been impactful for you, please share, write a review, and follow us on social media at the Moments of Joy podcast on Instagram and on Facebook. All right, guys, we're going to get right into this amazing episode with Miss Bobby Brown. I hope you enjoy this interview. It's going to be good. All right, guys. Hello, guys. Welcome to the Moments of Joy podcast. Today, I have with us Miss Bobby Brown. Welcome to the show. 
Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. You are so welcome. I just got a chance to chat a little bit before I press record with Bobby, and I'm just super excited to have her on the show. She's amazing. I've known her uh, pretty much half of my life. I've known of her. So, <laughs> no <laughs> was, but had the opportunity to watch her grow into a woman and I wanted to have her come and share her amazing story because I believe that she's going to be a blessing to many. And so here we are today. Yes. Thank you for accepting the invitation. No problem. I'm glad to be a part. Yes. So Bobby Brown is an amazing young woman. She is a woman who is an activist. She is a woman who is about the youth. She is a, a young preacher. She is a beautiful brown woman and much, much more. She is an adoptee and um, we're going to just start right there with being an adoptee and um, get right into how, how that was in your childhood. And so I believe that someone who has been adopted will be blessed just by that story alone. Uh, sure. Um... Um, I believe my story is probably like many of those that have experienced um, having your own family and then being put into a family that's not yours and learning to adapt to um, a new family, a new life and everything. Um, my story uh, started at five, um, which was, you know, very different for me. I had no idea what was taking place um, at the time. I often, you know, like I shared before, Camille, like, you know, that story of that child standing at the screen door waiting for their parents to come back. That is a real thing. Um, that was really me um, being, you know, being so close to my mom at a, such a young age, my real mom at the time, you know, just being um, so close to her. They didn't understand, you know, that she wasn't going to come back that day that she said she was going to come back had no idea that my life that very day would take a drastic change. Um, um, my environment would change. The people that I knew would change. Um, the community would change in a split second. Um, I was uprooted and placed into the foster care system. Um, and during that time, um, I, you know, from what I was told, um, I'm one of seven siblings. Um, however, they, uh, back in the day, they separated siblings two by two. I guess, you know, they had the Noah Ark feel going on so that no one would feel <laughs> separated, you know, yeah. that they wouldn't feel alone because this is the very first time for any of us to be, you know, away from each other. So me and my younger brother were placed together um, in, a foster, in the foster system. So whatever foster home we landed, we landed together. So I think, Camille, that was one of the the most um, inspiring things that took place. I don't know if I want to say inspiring, but uh, it was one of the most changing things in my life that, you know, I, I've grown up, you know, throughout life, you know, having that mindset that I, you know, children will feel like, oh my God, I'm always alone. But I think the way it played out, you know, I, I really wasn't alone. I had my younger right. brother, you know, and that changed my life too, that, you know, every experience that I would have from that forward from that position on, I would have somebody right there by. And even at this moment, just thinking about it, I didn't, I ne it never really hit me, mm -hmm. um, you know, till now. And mm -hmm. I'm saying, you know, that's why me and my brother are super close. Like I will, you know, 
just understanding that we were together during that period of our time as children. Um, So yeah, being adopted, you know, um, however, I would say that we were super blessed um, Mm -hmm. because we didn't have multiple foster homes. Um, We had two. Um, The first one was with an older couple that even from time to time, I wish I could reach out and find them. You know, they were older then, so Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure if they're still alive now. Um, Just how, you know, that was where I was first introduced to church. You know, there were two pastors, two older pastors who had raised all their kids and, you know, um, that, you know, would bring bring us to church with them. And um, that's how I found out what, you know, what it was about. And even though my brother was the younger one, he probably stayed home the most, I was able to go. So thinking back, you know, that was my first experience with the church, first experience knowing what God is. You know, um, I think about that now. Um, however, they were older and, you know, we were um, four and five and we were very active four and five, you know. So we, we couldn't stay there as long as we wanted to because we had to, you know, they had to, you know, they had things that they needed to get in order for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they could technically be our great, great grandparents, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, however, they, you know, while they were at church, you know, from what, what I've heard from the story, um, I'm, you know, I believe that, you know, it is, you know, how true it is. Um, they met a woman who also had a child with her at the time and they became friends and, you know, um, and through the job and, you know, taking us to, you know, different daycares, they had became friends and that woman, you know, saw us. And I guess the conversation was, yeah, I'm getting older. You know, I have to figure out what would be the next steps for me and these children. And Mm -hmm. that woman that day, you know, said, you know, let me know whatever I can do. And now, uh, looking back, you know, as, you know, I'm approaching my, you know, thirties, that woman became my mom that day. You know, um, so after, you know, after they decided what they needed to do, me and my brother were moved into a new foster home. And good thing that that foster home was a a home that Mm -hmm. already built a relationship prior to us ever entering into it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that made the, you know, that made the difference, you know, that made a difference in our lives because we were not, our environment was changed. Mm-hmm. but it was supported. I'm not right. sure if that makes sense to anybody, but yeah. um, it was changed and it was supported. So we, you know, the, the, it's funny how God orchestrates things and, My you know, God. he knew, he knew, you know, yeah. what we needed. He knew the stability that we needed. He oh. knew the, you know, the, you know, this, you know, we went from a two parent household, you know, my parents were married at the time to a foster, you know, a foster home that had two parents. And then, you know, so this woman who is young, she raised her kids and she's just out here trying to get, you know, trying to share back the love that she has given to someone else. Mm-hmm. And she took on, you know, me and my brother and, you know, that forever changed our lives, you know, from that on, from that point on, by the age, um, I think I was 10, I would think I was in fifth grade, uh, if that's the right, th- around the right time, mm-hmm. the math may be a little bit off, but um, by, I, by the time I was like about 10, I, I believe, um, she sat us down and she had a conversation with us, she was like, you know, it's been, you know, it's been five years, you know, since um, you guys have been in my home. What, what do you guys want? And for the first time that was, you know, something that, you know, someone asked us what we wanted, 
You know, right. when you're a foster child, it's, you're being told what's best for you. You know, and you know, there is no, there's no opinion or no time mm-hmm. for you to be able to share what you think you want. Right. And she said, you know, we won't move forward on this unless this is something that you want. And I think for me and my brother, you know, me being the oldest one at the time, I looked at him, he looked at me. I remember as clean as, you know, you know, clear as yesterday. And I looked at him and said, we don't want another home. You know, you know, right. we, you know we're not the best kids, but at the time we didn't understand what it meant to be, you know, what other kids were going through. Right. If, you, if the truth be told, I've had friends who have had multiple homes, mm-hmm. you know, who have experienced multiple things in these different homes. Right. And we were blessed to be able to find two women that, you know, two families that was willing to take upon us. So that day, I believe fifth grade, um, I believe my teacher at the time was um, Miss Robinson. So that, that makes fifth grade or fourth grade. That is so funny. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that's really true. <laughs> it was either Miss Robinson's or Miss Roberts. I do know that. Okay. Um, and she, uh, that, that, at that time, and, you know, we went to court, we did what we needed to do. And um, that day we became legally adopted to um, the Browns. And um, ever since then, there was really no looking back. There was no, she's not my child. There was no, if anything, I think my mom was over, over protective because anyone that knows anything about my mom, she does not play when it comes to her kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And she really believed in pouring all into them, you know, and to this day, she still does no matter what she's doing, where she is, she does. So um, I, I think that in listening, I'm just like, God, he truly knows us before we are formed in our mother's womb. Like before you were formed, you already had this call on your life mm-hmm. and he strategically put you in a home, you and your brother in a home with someone who would give you God, who would yeah. teach you about Jesus, who would lead you on the path from, you know, a youth from a very young child who would lead you on the path to him. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. You could have been with anybody. Absolutely. Anybody, wow. anybody you know, yes. and you know, I, I think about it, like, you know, just, you know, just, it just hit me of like, you know, seeing how it played out. Like mm-hmm. God had his hand on our lives at that very time. You know, and some people don't see that or yeah. understand that but somebody was making sure that the way that our lives will lead out our paths yeah. like literally like you know um I often say like I remember hate you know going to the doctor's appointments and you know they would ask you as I got older what's your family history and you couldn't tell them what your family history is because you didn't know you didn't know right. what ran through your family and through your blood but you would automatically be like, well, my mom, you know, my mom now, like my foster mom, she right. has this, she has that. Not realizing that, you know, she's not the blood that runs through your veins. And it's like, mm-hmm. because you don't know, you don't associate it automatically right then and there. Right. And those are things I had to learn, you know. And then, you know, those are, you know, your bloodline does it, doesn't stop, but it doesn't end who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't finally make who you are. Like there's so right. many things that God put together to make you the individual and the human being that you are. Yeah. Wow. That is truly amazing. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. It's truly an example it's through your story. Wow. Yes. So you're settled into this home with your wonderful mom and then you, you start to grow. How is high school and how is teenage years for you you um 
I would say high school was, um, I didn't really come out of my shell until like my junior year. Um, however, throughout um, school, I was very active. You know, my mom was, she's a big community leader. She's church, she's in church and stuff like that. So it was, um, it was pretty busy for me, but like social life wasn't as big for me. So how fluent I am talking now, I wasn't that um, in high school, you know, I found, you know, I cling to writing, I wrote for the school newspaper, things like that, that didn't require me to be, you know, so vocal was more that more what I like, I didn't really do sports, but I had a job, you know, straight out of high school. So at 16, I was working at a local radio station, and you know, just doing, you know, the editing and stuff like that for the mm -hmm. station. Um, and it's funny how God had that in line as well, you know, yeah. keeping me surrounded by so many positive things, you know, and not saying that, you know, students can get lost all the time during academics or sports, but he knew that I wasn't ready to be that individual to stay after school or to be right. like, just to be caught out looking or not, pay. I wasn't strong enough. Mm -hmm. Let's put it like that. Um, at that time, you know, I dealt with, you know, the self-esteem, not feeling like I had a, a group of friends to really, really fit in, not having a group of individuals that really understood me. So I, I had friends in school, but I didn't have friends in school, if you know what mm -hmm. I mean. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I dealt with, you know, you know, the bullying and dealt with, oh, your last name is Brown, your first name is Bobby, the, you know, the jokes that came with it. Oh, you know, that's right. not really your mom after a while because people started realizing you have two last names and your mom's not married where the other last name come from. Right. You know, those are things that, you know, people, you know, say, you know, oh, you're not the prettiest thing. You know, those are just words that mm. you know, would come from kids and, you know, kids when they don't know, they could be very cool. Yeah. They can say very, you know, mean things, but those were, inter I've, I learned to internalize a lot of that stuff because I knew, you know, I knew you know, me, you know, saying how I felt wasn't, I didn't feel right at the time. Right. Um, I think the biggest moment that actually um, really, really brought me out of my shell wasn't into my junior year in high school. Um, I believe it was about my junior slash senior year. I was going in from junior to senior. Um, and that year I was selected as a student to go to Benin, Africa. Um, why I was selected, I have no idea. Wow. Um, I was selected as a student from my school to be a part of this program that brought local high school students to a, um, a country to help build and connect with students out there. Mm. Um, the, while during that time, you know, as my junior year was ending, I believe my house, around that time, I lost my house to a fire. So, mm. um, so tragedy was all around like you know things were just happening you know mm -hmm. left and right you know my mom was dealing with you know trying to figure out what I was going to do with the home how that was going to look I'm going on a trip like you know I'm you know going on a trip you know these are these are things that were all happening and spiraling out at the same time and if mm -hmm. you want to be truthful God had his hand in that as well keeping mm -hmm. our family together helping us understand you know sometimes he has to pluck us out of our normal our normal lifestyles to really help us understand the path that we need to take for our lives. Absolutely. You know, so it was amazing experience to be able to be a part of that experience and that trip changed my life. Um, it helped me learn the value of being so grateful for the lives that we have now. And in Africa, they have communities. You know, there is, there is no foster home. There is, everyone is, everyone is your parent. Everyone wow. looks for you. 
So God, God was showing me, you know, at a young age, like, yeah, you don't understand why your life is the way it is. Yeah, you don't understand why you don't look like your foster mom or your other siblings. You know, I have a way of showing you what you need when you need it. Um, and that community that I learned being a high school student in Africa taught me the value of life. Taught me, taught me that, you know, child mortality is super high, mm. you know, that I could, I could really love who I am. And in Africa, you learn that your skin is the most beautiful thing that you've ever seen. You wow. learn that, you know, being a dark skinned woman, we value, you are valued. Wow. And it was that trip that showed me that dark skinned people are beautiful people, you mm -hmm. know, of color are beautiful people of color you know and taught me that you are a part of a village you know just how the the villagers take care of their children you when you go back to america you have a village of people that are taking care of you you may not understand it and you may not always see it but it's lined up just for you um so that trip changed my life came yeah. back home from africa and you know i just started becoming more active i believe that you know that little seed was planted in my life right then and there and i became you know more active more vocal and i came back wrote about my story um shared different stories we you know got an opportunity to share with other students what it was like to leave your home and go to another place funny to leave your home and go to another place. Mm -hmm. That's what already had taken place for me to leave right. my, my, um, my, my blood family to go to another family and mm -hmm. to see a village of people still wrap their arms around me and keep me nurtured and keep me, you know, keep me valued, keep yeah. me uh, lifted. Those are things that were super important. So high school, you know, wasn't the best, you know, I, I can't say it was the worst either because right. I, you know, gain a lot of friends, but, you know, mentally and emotionally, I had to learn to love myself and understand what loving yourself was all about. Mm -hmm. um, and to see now that I'm able to be a same, a blessing to those same friends, you know, now, years later, right, right. You know, understanding that, that God put those friends in my life for a reason and God let me be in that environment for a reason. Yeah. It, it's funny to hear you say that you weren't this bold. Um, as a teenager and like, not wow, God, <laughs> wow, God. <laughs> yes, not at all. <laughs> and, Super and, shy. Mama right. Oh, wow. God is wonderful. <laughs> and, and speaking of your house, I remember you guys were on a TV show. So after the fire, when did, when did the show come about? The show came about sometime during, so during my the middle or almost the ending of my senior year so Africa took place my junior year senior about the ending of my junior year our home caught on fire by senior year um it was in the process of being rebuilt um because of the show the show took a year to um to figure out you know the kinks and stuff like that make sure everything took place um my family was featured on um uh, number one hit show for, you know, bringing families and communities together. That also was an amazing show that inspired my college, uh, my college moment. Um, what was the name of it? I can't even remember. Um, Extreme now. Home Makeover. Yes, yes. yes. Home. You know, my, yes. Dad, my dad still has the hard hat from the show. Yes, he, yeah, he's amazing. Yes. He still has it on his shelf with his action figures and things that he keeps as memorabilia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that was beautiful, not just for you guys, but for the whole community. Yeah, it, it um it's um I always call it a blessing in the hood, a miracle in the hood, a mansion yes. in the hood. Because yes. this is un this was unseen for our community mm. at the time. And this um was also another uh groundbreaking moment for me that showed me that community really does care. 
um, our community, you know, saw the work that my mom did and saw the, the love that she had for her friend, her family and her community. My mom is known for putting on family festivals, giving free food out to her community, making sure that they know that they are, before the church becomes a community, they're, you know, before the people in the church become the church members, they are community first. Mm-hmm. And um, she showed that continuously. Um, so, you know, God knew. So he, you know, made that all happen. And we were featured on the show. Um, I believe we wanna, we're one of the top rating shows because of the love, um, the joy, and the, the comical features of it. Yeah. And just seeing our, how a family, you know, a woman that came and, you know, r- once again, re- reliving our story again as children um, and teaching us how she has been a blessing all along. Um, and she, you know, she was that one pebble in our life that made the ripple effect that, you know, things could really change for us as children. Um, so that show um, really inspired my college life. Um, yeah. um, I remember watching, if anyone out there that knows anything about um, communications and knows anything about film and um, te- television, um, that show had an instrument called the jib. Um, it's a it's a long handle camera. Um, what the, it's a long handle um, a long handle, and it has a camera at the very end. And I remember watching the guy during the show. So he sits in the jib and he uh, manually moves the jib all around to get the different angles of the house. So way up in the sky to the very down low uh, portion of it. And mm-hmm. I remember saying and looking at them. That's what I want to do. Like I want to I want to learn how to do that. And that's where my heart opened up to TV. I've never wow. been on TV, but I remember watching the show, you know, as you know, they were counting down to the very last days. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's what I want to do. And I came back home and I said, mom, I'm already in school for um, uh, convergence journalism. I think I'm going to reach out and I'm going to, I'm going to apply to a college that can allow me to use my skills on that level. And I sure did. I applied to a college, got accepted. I went to school for free which is unheard of, you know, at the time, (laughs) academically, you know, so those that are out there that are children, listen, academics equals money. Uh, So I want you to know that I got to put that little plug in there for your academics. Um, I had good grades and I went there and also my community service, you know, made me stand out against my other students, against the other students. And I went to school and I went to school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which was a total different environment from living in the city. I received my degree in um, marketing communications, mass comm, and I came, I was able to work the jib. So (laughs) one of the cool instruments at university and um, seeing, you know, being surrounded by God-minded people and a God-minded community and understanding the value of education and that too, you know, um, or you brought something out in me, brought something out in me too. It really inspired my leadership skills and really under, it really helped me pinpoint my desire for my community and my desire for my career. And I realized, you know, yes, I want to work in marketing and communications. Yes, this degree will change the world. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I want to give back to my community. So I graduated, came back on fire, came mm-hmm. home, and I was like, where could I get my hands and what can I do and how can yeah. I help? And I did that. I, you know, started attending meetings, started getting more involved, started running for positions and, you know, making sure that my voice was heard from my generation because um, my generation is the type of, you know, we're, we're that group of people that's like, okay, so either you're going to pass the baton to us or you're going to move out the way. 
absolutely and i i would rather you be the part of the i'd rather that individual or those leaders be saying hey i'm gonna pass you the baton because i want you to have the knowledge Mm -hmm. that you need to have in order to make it you know make it throughout life we and you know because we live you know our our generation is more like either that or move out the way. And sometimes, you know, we will make our own way. We will go. We're not waiting to walk into the room for you to prepare. Come on. We're going to build the table and we're going to sit whoever we want. Absolutely. We're we're that generation. Yes, we are. It's like, you know what? Forget the seat at the table. Give us the tools. No, forget giving us the tools. We'll bring the tools, build the table, and we'll bring the people that we need. But (laughs) I'm trying to make it where you know, the generation, the next generation understands that value of passing the baton. Because yes, we can build a table. Yes, we can sit whoever we want. But there's nothing like having people who can guide you in that process. Absolutely. I truly believe in the passing of the baton. Mm-hmm. And I, t- I teach my students all the time. I'm like, you know, what happens when the baton isn't properly passed? Right. Students become disqualified. You get mm-hmm. disqualified in a relay race when the baton isn't properly passed or right. if the baton is held on too long or um, if an individual sees that you're not qualified to make that run, you mm-hmm. get disqualified. So we have to stop Absolutely. disqualifying the next generation, pass that yeah. baton, you know, make sure that they have a seat at the table, you know, make sure they have an opportunity to share their voices and their concerns. So that's what I do for my community. I make it known that, you know, we all have struggles. We have, we all have issues, but we can be there for one another. We can be that core village that's needed for the next generation. Absolutely. So that just right there describes your passion. Yes. For the youth and why you have it. That is beautiful. Goodness, Bobby. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you described us right there. Mm-hmm. Generation. Everybody is just working it and doing it but you're right there's nothing like having someone pass the baton to you and also telling you what you may not know hey right for this you want to do that that way you want to do it this way you can run into this or run into that versus you running into it just blindly on your own mm-hmm. so there's value in that mm-hmm. absolutely so here now you are doing something called 100 girls leading yes a little bit about that yes so as i mentioned um you know i think i really like our transition flow (laughs) but um yes so as i mentioned um talking about passing the baton um this summer i will have an opportunity to pass the time pass the baton to over 100 girls at an event called 100 girls leading um like I have shared in the past, you know, I've had an opportunity to, you know, stand in front of small crowds to very huge crowds that God has really blessed my life. Um, um, in 2017, um, I was granted an opportunity to be one of the speakers at the Women's March that took place all across the world. Wow. But one particular took place in um, Washington slash Hartford, Connecticut. And I was one of the youngest speakers in the Hartford, Connecticut, um, one um, one the Hartford, Connecticut Women's March. Mm. So I look back at it like these women gave me a little old girl from Bridgeport, Connecticut, an opportunity to speak in front of thousands of women. Women, mm-hmm. when I mean thousands of women, Camille, like I couldn't even see all their faces. Oh That's how many women were there. Wow. And I had an opportunity to speak on issues that were plaguing our our women across the nation, mm-hmm. social justice issues, 
of unfair wages, yeah. um, women that are not being acknowledged, the women that are being seen at less than their counterparts, like, mm -hmm. you know, their male counterparts, like things that women were sure, women's health. There were issues across the, the border that, you know, things that women were talking about and feeling passionate about. But also, too, I saw children, that young children there, young girls. And I said, yes, I'm this powerful woman that has get, been given this opportunity. And I can tell my grandchildren, hey, I'm going to go down in history as mm -hmm. one, of the, one of those women. But I said, what about the little girl? Does right. she understand what is taking place around her? So although we have all these amazing women here, what about the little girl? Mm -hmm. Before these women even became these powerful women, they were once a little girl. Mm -hmm. And I came back home and I said, I need to do something for my community. And I struggled for a minute, Camille. I was like, okay, I don't know what I want to do. I know I want to do something. I have a great impact in my you know, community, especially with the, the young children, young people, but mainly like I have a good group of young girls that I work with. Thus birth 100 girls leading. Yeah. I knew that God wanted me to do something with mentorship. And I, I share this example all the time. When I went away to school in Oklahoma, my mom had already reached out to women in Oklahoma to say, hey, my daughter is coming out there. I need you guys to help her throughout her school year. I need you to help mold her and keep her empowered and impacted while she's away at school. And those women did that for me from my um, sophomore year to my senior year. And those women were mentors to me while I was away at college. If I needed food, they were there. If I was having a hard time, they were there. If I needed a vacation and needed time away from campus, they came and picked me up from school. Mm -hmm. So things that these women did and while they were doing it, they were keeping me encouraged while I was in the college process because any child that understands or any young teenager that understands when you go away to school, that's a whole nother environment. Right. There's a whole other group of people. Right. And those women taught me what it's like to have, once again, that village, mm. have that village of people that were, you know, there for you. So I use that example to say, you know, a lot of our young girls don't have that. Right. That's one of the toxic, the most toxic relationships is a relationship between her, the mother and the daughter. Right. You know, yeah. there are two females and you don't see eye to eye all the time with your mom. And if you do, I'm so grateful that you have had that relationship. But even I have grown up and realized that, you know, I didn't like the decisions that my mom made or I wanted my own voice. I wanted this. And, you know, we instead of it becoming a partnership where we could sit down and talk about it, sometimes it doesn't look like that. And, mm -hmm. and the thing about it is young women, you know, once they don't have a great relationship with their mom, every other relationship they have with women will be a negative one because, oh, absolutely. you know, that woman stepping in this, into that mother role mm -hmm. and they won't accept it. So I figure, you know, let's put on an event that surrounds mentorship, you know, let's get them involved and let's, let's challenge these women that call themselves leaders in our, in our community and say, Hey, spend, uh, um, spend, Spend four hours with the girls of your city, teaching them about the careers that you are, are mm -hmm. in, and teaching them about what it is that it, they need to do in order to reach that plateau in career. You yes. know, spend some time with them, get to know them. You know, yes. if you're going to be mayor, if you're going to be community leaders, if you're going to be doctors and teachers, what could you, what advice could you pass mm -hmm. on to the next generation? Mm -hmm. What could you share for these right. girls? So right. women, Camille, have been coming from everywhere. Yes. They have said, hey... I believe in the vision that you have set aside and I want to be a part of it. And these women are coming. Um, I really, Camille, this is a learning uh, experience for me as well, because I, I am being mentored as I continue to mentor others. 
Oh, and I think that is so important. And I believe um, it was the movie Akila and the Bee, I believe, where mm -hmm. she says her mother tells her when she's doing the spelling bee, she says, baby girl, you have 101 spelling, you have 101 teachers everywhere. Mm -hmm. Anybody can be a teacher to you. It's what you are willing to let them teach you. I believe okay. it was something of that sort. I could be quoting it wrong. And that's how I feel about mentorship. We mm -hmm. have 101, if not more, mentors that we will come across throughout our lives. They will teach you things that you need to know, and you'll be able to say, hey, I can apply this to my life, into the season of my life right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's so important that our girls in the city of Bridgeport will have that opportunity to be mentored by women who are leading and leading well in their, in their careers, in their communities. So we have women from Wall Street on down to the local hair salon. That you know, beautiful. just leading and teaching girls what they need to do. Mm -hmm. and, um, these women are being mentored as well. And mm -hmm. mentorship is super important. So for those, for anyone that's listening out there, if you don't have a mentor, um, it's not so much that, you know, the mentor always finds you, but you know, you know what you need. And if that person is there for you and can reach out to you and make sure that, you know, you're being guided properly, because the number one thing a mentor must be is accountability. You know, they must have accountability and they must be able to guide you. And, you know, mentors are also being, are individuals that need to protect you. They need to keep you from the wolves and keep you from the things that will try to destroy you. Mm -hmm. And they also are accountable. We don't like accountability, but I'm teaching these girls that accountability is good. When you have someone that's looking out for you and can tell you, hey, girl, you're, you're, not, you're not doing the right thing today. How can we help you make this a better, how can we help you make a better decision? Mm -hmm. So 100 Girls Leading will take place in June. I'm super excited. Um, yesterday, actually, we received our first shirt. So I, it's the small joys because this yeah. is, I remember it's just being a thought in my mind. And yeah. now it's coming to life one step at a time. Uh -huh. so I'm grateful. And I'm grateful. So hashtag 100 Girls Leading. Um, Absolutely. You know, we want to continue to just impact our community one, one child at a time. And if it starts with mentorship, then mentorship becomes a community. And I'm grateful. Yes. How would someone be able to find you if they are listening and they want to donate to 100 Girls Leading? Sure. Um, they could actually look us up on Facebook at um, 100 Girls Leading, all one word. You can find us on there. Um, you could look us up on Instagram. Um, we are one hashtag 100 girls leading. We are everywhere. <laughs> you can, um, look us up on LinkedIn as well. Um, but if you type in 100 girls leading with the hashtag or without the hashtag, we will come up. Um, the cool thing Camille that we're doing that day is these young girls are lacking certain items mm -hmm. and from flip flops to, you know, girly sprays and body washes. And we have had women say, Hey, um, I'm going to donate a hundred of that. Mm -hmm. And that's our, our, our trend for 100 Girls Leading is be the, be the 100. Donate right. 100 of those items because we want to pack, pack backpacks for the girls. You know, girls are, you know, needing sanitary items and we want to make sure they get them. Girls are needing flip-flops because the summertime is coming. You mm -hmm. know, some of them, you know, need snacks. If you want to donate whatever you want to donate, I am free, you know, to have it, you know, have you do that. And we highlight our donors because we want to make sure that they understand that they are valued and we appreciate them for saying, Hey, you know, um, I, I want to help. I want to help. And it's, it goes back to that community. How could we be a community to the young girls that will be, that'll be women that will run the next, this community that's coming up. Um, so if you want, you can email us at 100 girls leading all one word. So 100 mm -hmm. girls leading at gmail.com. 
and donate that way as well. Um, send us your information where we're taking pictures and bios. Um, we're, we're, we're not saying that men cannot donate. We appreciate the men that do donate. So if you're a man out there, you want to donate to the cause, you're more than welcome. But we're highlighting women who donate as well. We want to make sure that these very women get the acknowledgement that they deserve because, hey, if we can acknowledge and support our sister, we are changing the world. Um, and I said something on Facebook recently, um, you know, the, the reason why we stay blessed is because we continue to clap for others. Yes. As you clap for the next person, you don't realize somebody is clapping for you. So yeah. I, I, I am clapping for every woman that is this, that is saying, I'm going to take a stand and I'm going to help make this event a success. So I'm so grateful for that. And if you want, you can also follow me on Facebook. It's Bobby with an I, B-O-B-B-I, Brown, B-R-O-W-N. And you'll yeah. find me on Facebook. And I'm, I'm grateful for any comments or concerns or any questions. Um, and Camille, I thank you for this opportunity to share. Oh, you're um, so, so welcome. Grateful, so grateful because you are changing the world, the way people see joy. Oh, thank um, you so changing, much. That you're changing the idea of it and joy is different from happiness mm -hmm. happiness comes and go but joy is something that can yeah. last forever and you know there's a song that's like you don't let nobody steal your joy and some joy it, it can be it can be stolen if it's in the wrong hands yeah what your joy is no one can steal that from you and where happiness may linger joy can step in and stay forever so you know Absolutely. i'm so grateful for the opportunity that is beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, what is the date of 100 Girls Leading? Yes, 100 Girls Leading is June 1st, 2019. Okay. It will take place at, Mid at McLevy Green, downtown Bridgeport. And 100 Girls Leading is a free event. Doesn't cost uh, any child um, anything to attend. They don't have to pay for anything. All they have to do is show up. And they, all they have to do is register. So um, we ask that you register. Um, you can register through 100girlsleading at gmail.com or you can look us up on our Facebook or Instagram pages. The links are in the pages and you can register there. Um, we ask basic questions. What are you interested in? What do you like? Um, have you had a mentor before or would you like a mentor? And we're going to try and make sure that we link you up. The whole goal that day is to link resources to the girls in our communities. So we have mentorship programs that have agreed to be there that day to, to make sure that they reach out to the girls after they're done enjoying the different tables that we'll have. And these, this way, children are exposed to the different teams and mentor programs that are right here in their local cities. Yeah, that, that's beautiful. I cannot wait. And Bridgeport is in Connecticut. And so if you are anywhere, Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, D.C., Delaware, anywhere that you can drive, you want to bring your young women to this event. It's going to be huge. It's going to be life-changing. And I definitely think that after this one time, you may have to do it at Seaside Park, which is bigger. <laughs> oh, pray on it. Lord, yes, do it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, Bobby, this has been so wonderful. And um, I just want you to close out, if you will, with just a special message for anyone who sees themselves in your story, anyone who has dealt with foster care and adoption, who is struggling to find themselves, any young woman who's in need of a mentor, just trying to figure out where they are in life, anyone even who is in the film industry and who may even just be um, seeking 
God for direction. So any, whatever is laid upon your heart, I would like for you to close your segment with a special message for them. I would say that um, God, God looks into the details. Like he is just like an artist. Um, he believes in the value of his canvas. I know nothing about painting at all. But I do believe God paints a picture the best he the best way he thinks it would end. And the best, you know, the details in it from the paint to the brush to the artist itself. God knows every detail. And for you not to for any individual that's listening to to realize that your life is in a powerful hand and that, you know, with everything comes trials and tribulations, but you have to never ever give up. And you know, that may sound cliche as possible, but Giving up says, I'm going to walk away from this and not see the end of it. But if you mm-hmm. hang in there, hang in there, mm-hmm. believe that your life is going to turn out for the better. There's a song that says, sooner or later, it will turn in my favor. And all you have to not really focus on is the sooner or later, but focus on the turning mm-hmm. and realize that your life will turn for the best. And mm-hmm. to stay surrounded with those that believe in you, turn off all the negativity, stay surrounded by those who believe in you, that are praying for you, that really want to see you do well. Because your community, your environment says a lot about you. Change that and watch mm-hmm. your life change. Yes, that is so beautiful. Thank you so much. If there's anybody listening and you hear Bobby and you don't know who this God is, I pray that today you learn a little bit more about him and that you accept Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior and that you allow him to just change your life over. If you want to experience the light and the joy that could only come from him, I pray that today is a day where you decide to surrender it all to him. Yes. Bobby Brown, this is it. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. I appreciate you so much. I know that people will be blessed all over. You know, hashtags are a wonderful thing. And so when you hashtag adoptee, when you hashtag, um, you know, all these different things, you go into this category where people like you are going to listen and hear. And so I'm excited for that individual that this show was tailor-made for. Yes. Yes. I'm grateful for an opportunity. Thank you again. You're welcome, Bobby. So this is it. Thank you for being a guest on the Moments of Joy podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. And before we close, I just know that you enjoyed that interview just as much as I did. Don't forget to follow follow Bobby Brown and 100 Girls Leading. And you know what, guys? I hope that you were encouraged by her story. If you're out there and you're a foster kid, you were an adoptee, I hope that you would see her story and know that God has his hand on you and he's had his hand on you since before you were formed in your mother's womb. All right, guys, next week, it will be just me and you. I'm going to give us a little break from the guest so that if you are a new listener, you can get to know me a little bit more. So we'll have a couple of weeks alone before we get back to recording interviews. Okay, guys, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Moments of Joy podcast another week. See you soon. 
or talk to you soon. <laughs> bye bye.